Well, good evening, Demon fans, and welcome back to uh, the Demon Land podcast. Uh, my name is Andy, and it's been 185 days uh, since the end of the disastrous uh, 2019 season, and it's been a long, hot summer drought of footy, but uh, the footy's back, and so too are the Demons, we hope. Um, joining me uh, tonight uh, is my co-host, Grape Viney, who's been slogging it out on the training track all pre-season uh, with our new high-performance podcast manager, and he's ready for a bumper 2020 season of podcasting. Good evening, Grape Viney. Uh, good evening, Andy. You're right. Uh, I've been to hell and back <laughs> over the summer, a little bit like the uh, club, but I've had a documentary team following <laughs> me the whole way through. Um, so there's going to be a, a short three-hour feature about the podcast, and that'll be uh, premiering at the Sundance Film Festival <laughs> uh, later in the year, uh, along with the MFC um, promo that we've seen. So looking forward to talking about that. Yeah, we'll talk about that a bit later on in the show. And also joining us tonight, long-time Demon Lander and new pre-season uh, track watcher, our, our man on the outer, George, good evening. Good evening, uh, Andy. Good evening, Great Barney. Good evening, everyone. And uh, welcome to 220, as our coach keeps calling it. Um, <laughs> I haven't had as uh, uh, as long a, a pre-season as what uh, Great Barney has, so I'll be interested to hear about that. Um, and we, you know, we love hearing from Demon Landers and, uh, and fans of the show. So if you'd like to join us on our program tonight to discuss any of the topics that we're going to talk about, and there's lots to talk about, um, uh, you can do that by giving us a call on 03-9016-3666. That's 03-9016-3666. Or you can Skype us at DemonLand31. Uh, if you're listening to the show live, come join us in the chat room uh, where you can ask us questions, you can post comments, uh, you can do that if you don't want to give us a call. That's at demonland.com slash podcast. If you're listening to this uh, at your leisure via SoundCloud on demonland.com or via Apple or an Android podcasting app, be sure to subscribe to the new podcast to receive when the new show drops. Uh, leave us a favorable review. Uh, it does help more people find us. We're also on Spotify, so you can get the show that way. Go to demonland.com to find the preferred links um, to a method of listening. Uh, you can also follow us one or on YouTube. Just search for Demonland Podcast. Uh, if you love talking about the Ds 24-7 like we do, uh, about everything that goes on. Fellas, th- we're back. We're back. We're back. It's a new season. Um, yeah, it was uh, great to, to be watching the footy. Do, did either of you boys head out to... Against Hawthorne next, uh, in the week after. So. Uh, did, did you say you, you're, go, you're, go, you're not going to Tasmania? No, no, oh, no, no. no. <laughs> not for a practice match. No. <laughs> My notes that I've got for the show uh, just seized up. Um and, uh, as we speak, uh, but you know, I think we need to preface. Um, I think we need to preface everything that we talk about in regards to the game this week. You know, um, with the thought that you know it was a practice match. Um, we're, we're well aware of that. So um, you know, uh, <laughs> with that, uh, you know. Uh, they, you know, games in, you know, results in pre-season games don't necessarily translate into the season proper. And, uh, you know, I can't speak for you guys, but uh, we also need to take into account the opposition, uh, who, in my opinion, uh, are doing an on-the-fly rebuild after mass exodus of players. They got a new coach, and a couple of their star players were rested after half time. Uh, but, but having taking all that into account, um, you know, there was there was a lot to like um, what we saw and. Um, the number one 
thing that I loved seeing was uh, Christian uh, Unleashed. Um, what were your thoughts on track, uh, Great Viney? And a whopping 27 of them are contested. And the thing that impressed me about many of those touches is that they were quality disposals. Um, so I, I didn't see his disposal efficiency, but I'm um, guessing it would have been quite high. So I think he got real value for a lot of those touches. And it was the kind of track that I suppose we've seen glimpses of, but certainly haven't seen four quarters like that. Um, and you got the feeling that it wasn't just a day out um, a, a practice match. Um, you got the feeling that, well, I certainly did watching him anyway, that um, he's perhaps going to play at a, a new level this year. Um, and that, you know, uh, what we saw on the weekend uh you know will sort of be the mark going forward yeah um he he was a clear standout in the game he seemed to have the ball on a string uh he was an absolute beast bursting through pack off the don with the donagis he was sidestepping um no he's he's clearances tackles inside 50s the whole yeah the whole gamut yeah so you mentioned 38 hopping 27 contested four marks seven tackles three goals could have easily been four goals uh, someone on Demon mentioned that he's he's never had more than thirty possessions in a game. George, do you know if I'm right by saying that? Um, oh, sorry, we yeah, it it has. Um, uh, sorry, George, I I disconnected the channel you were on, but you should be back now. Yeah, I'm I'm right. I don't know whether I, I didn't hear any of uh, Great Viney's response, but you're obviously talking about um, a tracker. Uh, yes, I think it was um, a great performance and was the first time he went over 30 possessions. Um, I think we're seeing the coaching staff um, putting him in a role where he is going to get 30 possessions. Previously, he's been more of a half-forward sort of uh, player uh, with occasional stints through the middle, but we're going to see a lot more of him now that I think he's the right type of condition, uh, playing more and more and more through the midfield. And I think we've got a very good glimpse of how good he can be in those roles. He's just built for it. So um, we've got a lot to look forward to, I think, in the coming season. Yeah, I think I think it's important to note, not taking anything away from his performance, but it didn't appear that they've they put a hard tag on him, um, uh, you know, for a pre-season. Um, but, you know, hopefully, you know, it translate to the season ahead, uh, you know, and, and it is that breakout that we've been, uh, you know, sort of waiting for uh, with track. Yeah, and that's, that's certainly the case. I don't think Adelaide are going to be much top, quite frankly, this year. They they lost six very good players, I think it was in total. Uh, they've also lost the coach. So their team, the whole stack of, of uh, young kids and, and rookies, which is what, you know, pre-season games can be about what they probably... But it, I, I don't think Adelaide are going to be anything more than a bottom four side. But still, you're still going to beat them, and we beat them by five goals. Um, I think the other good uh, thing to get out of this game was we had a full team available. Um, <laughs> uh, we, we had guys on the emergency list who would have been playing at this time last year in a practice match. and uh, I suspect we'll see them... Uh, firstly at North Melbourne this week and then in the Hawthorne game. But, um, yeah, it's nice to be able to put 22 players on the field and that 22 players didn't include May, uh, Brayshaw and Fritch, who you'd all, always put in your, those uh, uh, in that first 22 in any case. So um, good signs first, first up, but uh, we'll see if we can build on it from here. 
And the the other important thing on top of putting out a, a you know very strong team is that those players finish the game really strongly. And yes, um, you know Adelaide sort of might have uh, uh, didn't finish too well, but we look to be extremely fit at the end, tackling still tackling uh, very hard, good pressure in the final quarter. And I thought, you know, when I got to sort of three quarter time, and I knew that they were kicking with the wind, um, and um, yeah, you can see the the difference, um, you know, in the fitness base between last year and this. Yeah, absolutely. And a, a couple of players I'll mention, uh, I'll go through them sort of one by one. Uh, you know, Lever, early on, you know, he showed exactly uh, that what we traded, you know, hard for. Uh, his intercept marking was solid. And, you know, now with a full preseason under his belt and Steve May to come back in the side, by his side, I'm very excited um, about uh, the prospects. Uh, those, those intercept marks were just uh, were fantastic. Yeah, and people forget that in the weeks leading up to the to his knee, he was playing really, really good football, and he was becoming, you know, dominating player in the back line. So I've never had any doubts that he's going to return to that. And as you say, his uh, his form very early on was uh, was very encouraging. Uh, the, the next uh, player I've got on my list, you know, uh, Jonesy, who who said Jonesy was uh, finished. Uh, there was a lot to like about his game. Uh, he, you know, he had 16 possessions uh, in the three quarters that he was on on the ground. Um, you know, both those three goals were, were very handy. And I, I'm just wondering what Jones's best role is. Uh, it's fair to say he probably won't have much midfield time and uh, will probably play a floating role. Uh, we appear to have the wings covered now. And I'm happy with our setup in the back line. So I'd like to see him play across half forward a bit uh, because he can find the goals as we saw. And but in any event, the you know reports of his demise do, uh, have been greatly exaggerated. Indeed, I, I think Jonesy will be. Uh, this is just my opinion. Um, I think he will will still remain a midfielder, but playing off the bench. Um, I think the difficulty when you start putting names in those slots in the side, you find that the half-back line and the half-forward line seem to be full. So yeah. um, um, at, at this stage in his career, I, I think we'll start to use see, and probably see a lot more jo- as Jones as an impact player in the same way that he was in this game. You know, just comes off the bench, runs through the middle, kicks a goal, gets the possession. He, he's, he's been a midfielder all his life. I think it's a bit hard. Uh, to use an old adage to teach an old dog new tricks. Um, but at the moment, he's looking in fantastic form, apart from getting that uh, knock on the shin that he did on the weekend. Was he, did he, was he starting at half-back and sort of running off the half-back line? I mean, as George says, it doesn't really matter because once rotations and, and things, you know, everyone gets mixed up. But I thought he was actually starting at half-back and... It was part of that sort of defensive wall that ended up across half forward, keeping the ball in and kicking goals. Yeah, I think so. I think he was playing, started there, but he was sort of just roaming everywhere. Uh, yeah. you know, no one seemed to be ever on him, um, and that's fine. Uh, if, if teams want to take him lightly, then uh, he'll he'll do what he what he does best and uh, you know pop up for a couple of goals. Um, let's talk key forwards. Uh, I was quite impressed by uh, Mitch Brown's first up performance for the D's. Uh, considering we got him for bargain basement prices, 
he provided a great target up forward. Uh, someone on Demoland mentioned that that he fills the void left by Peterson, and I was a big fan of Peterson. Um, but I think he has the p- potential to be more damaging on the scoreboard. Uh, he was he would have led our uh, goal kicking last year, but then again, you know, had he played in our team, he probably wouldn't have kicked that many goals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's going to command a tall, strong backman, and uh, will either provide a target or he'll be the foil for for T Mac and or Weed or both. Uh, kick three goals, two should have been four four goals, and if he can kick one, two, three goals a game, then he's more than steak knives. Um, and the, the question I'll also put to you guys, and maybe, George, you can start, uh, does he play round one? Uh, that, that's, a, that's a really <laughs> difficult question, isn't it? Um, uh, it depends on where Wiedemann's being played, I think. But I can, I can certainly see, see a role for him throughout the whole season. Um, at some stage, people are going to tire and people are, are going to get injuries. It's nice to have someone like Brown who's tall, will take a big, uh, and, and play as a forward. Um, certainly going back to our situation last year where we had, you know, Tommy Mack was injured at various times, Wiedemann was injured at various times. We had no one else. And again, in that role that um, Pedersen used to, to be able to fill, I think Brown will do that very, very nicely. Um, he, he has this habit of being able to get out in the back and there's been some criticism uh, about he, that him playing in that sort of style, but he gets out out there. He seems to be just one of those people that's in, invisible, and then pops up and kicks a goal or two or three here or there. And um, I, I think it'll be a great addition for the side. But I, I don't know that we'll have a spot for him in round one. But as the season progresses, I think we'll see more and more of him. Great Viney. Uh Yeah, look, I sort of agree with George that it, in. In part, it's going to depend on how Weed goes in the coming games in the lead-up to round one and uh, how the coach sees his role. But I could, uh, you know, if, if Weed doesn't... Um, if Weed struggles in the coming weeks, um, then I could easily see see Brown starting in round one, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I think he is an important addition... Uh, to the list, even if he doesn't play every game, um, uh, he's got an important role to play. Uh, before you know, the, the other one, he might um, fill a gap for is Melcham at the moment. I don't know that he was particularly um, uh, telling on the weekend. He probably needs a couple of runs. He's been out for little bits and pieces during the preseason. So if if Melcham is not up up to the standard they require, I think. Uh, Brown could probably fill that role, probably slightly different role, but um, again, he's a body that can just slot in there, which we certainly didn't have available to us last year. Um, but, but... It's just going to be interesting whether Wade, whether Wade continues rucking in Gorn's absence, because that's going to deprive him of the mm. chance to to show his stuff up forward. So, um, yeah, interesting times. Uh, before we talk about the weed, uh, we'll talk about our other uh, key forward uh, in T-Mac. Uh, I hardly noticed that he was even playing in the first half, but uh, boy, did did he arrive after half time, and he, he displayed some of that form from 2018 and uh, that late in 2019 prior to his uh, season-ending knee injury. Um, you know, that's the T-Mac we want to see, and his quiet first half could have been due to the niggles, uh, niggly injuries that he sort of had in the weeks leading up to this match. He probably just needed time to, to brush off the, the cobwebs, but uh, I think he also bobbed up for three goals, and, uh, you know, he's got a 
very straight kick when he's kicking for goal, and that's the team act we want. Yeah, and the other good thing is that uh, he was playing on Talia, who is Adelaide's you know, very experienced and yep. number one backman. So it's not surprising that he might have been quiet for a period of time, but to, to actually overcome that is a, is a very good sign. Um, it'll it'll put him in good stead for the remainder of the season. If he was playing against some of their, their sort of fill-in rookie, new recruit-type players, um, you would expect better. But, uh, yeah, Talia is a seriously good backman for Adelaide. Well, we, we may as well uh, talk the weed now. Uh, obviously, he played in the ruck out of necessity with both uh, Gorn and Perouse uh, injured on the sidelines. I thought he performed quite admirably in the ruck against an actual ruckman. Um, Weed's only 196 you know, centimetres. He is a forward. He's not a ruck. He had to ruck virtually the whole game against a 202 centimetre genuine ruckman. Uh, he, he did enough to negate his opponent, and considering we were smashed in the hitouts, I think it was fifty-five to twenty-six. Um, it certainly didn't have an, that that uh, golf didn't have an impact on, on the match. Uh, Weed racked up twenty disposals, which is good for a ruckman. Um, but the the one aspect of Weed's game that that I was really disappointed with, and it's a frustration that I've had with him, uh, with the exception of those couple of finals games in twenty eighteen, it's his inability to clunk those marks. There were a few drop marks on the wings that, that Maxi would have clunked as, as a ruckman sort of down the wing. And, and I know that he was playing out of position, and he, but he really should be taking those marks. And, and I'm not bashing Weed here. Uh, if he'd clunked those three or four marks when he had, he did have first hands on the ball, um, his game would have gone from good to, to very good or even great. Uh, am I being too harsh on, on him? I think that's a pretty fair summation uh, of the weekend. As you say, I think if he'd taken those marks, and he should be because he's getting in the right positions, and they are they're you know they're drop marks, so um, it, it does it separates a, a decent game from a very very good game. It's, it's a pretty hard uh, ask for him, given his his age. I mean, he's 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 not a um, a classic type of ruckman, and he's a fill-in effectively for us. But this was a practice match, I suppose. It gives us the opportunity to look at um, whether Wiedemann will fill that um, role, assuming Max or Proust comes back at some stage, <laughs> Max as soon as possible, um, who's going to play the backup ruck role during the season. Um, it'll be interesting whether they use Tomlinson like he was used at GWS or whether even Brown uh, can come in and fill that role to, to a certain extent. But, yeah, for, for a young guy um, like Wiedemann compared to Tomlinson and Brown, who've got a lot of experience behind them and probably got better, bigger bodies at the moment, uh, to ruck all day, um, it's not surprising that he, he just doesn't quite get there at the moment. However, that's been seen on a number of occasions. So I suppose the question mark's still out on him. I'd prefer... Um, during the practice matches that he actually plays his yeah. role, which is somewhere up forward. And uh, let's have a look at him there instead of filling a filler role at the moment full-time. Yeah, and look, it was just bad luck. Um, you know, Maxi going down and Proust going down at the same time. We, we had to throw in there, and unfortunately he doesn't get to play in the position that uh, he's been picked for. So, um, look... I I actually heard uh, that Maxi might play a little bit this this coming Friday, like just mm. a couple of uh, 
couple of minutes. Uh, he actually said that to me the other day. Um, but uh, I think he'll definitely play in Tasmania. Might be on limited minutes, but um, yeah, I, I've got no doubt he'll be back in round one. So we'll see where we'll see where the weed plays come round one. But you, you, as you said, you want him to be playing, you know, practice matches in the position he's he's meant to be in. Um, Vandenberg. It's going to be an interesting selection dilemma if he only gets the one shot um, up forward before round one, whether they go with Brown or, or Wiedemann. I guess it's, it'll all depend on what Brown does in the in the coming games. If he's kicking goals then uh, and you know taking marks and kicking goals, then then you sort of got to go with him. But time will tell. Mm. Uh, Vandenberg, it's great to see him back. Uh, yes. I think he only played seventy percent game time. He still racked up um, nineteen possessions. And no, did he? No, how many possessions did he get? Actually, um, I had nineteen on here, but that sounds high. I don't know. Um, nineteen tackles, maybe. No, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll look that up in a sec. But um, you know, boy, did did I and Adelaide fill every one of his five tackles. Um, Let's hope he gets through this year unscathed because, uh, you know, boy, does it, does he deserve a turn of good luck. And it's like having a new recruit who's a bull and will put genuine fear into the opposition. It's good to see that he felt good after the game, so no issues, uh, which is, you know, good news. And it's interesting even listening to the commentary. You know, he's only he's played so little football and yet even the commentators are aware of the reputation of this guy and how dangerous he is if he gets hold of you when you've got the ball. Um, so, yeah, fingers crossed that uh, it keeps going well for him. Yeah, I think the um, other thing with Vandenberg and his tackles was they're not the um, midfield-type tackles where you're tackling someone who's basically standing right next to you. But it was the run-down tackles that just guys who thought they'd like... It was almost a repeat of the um, uh, Geelong final. You know, guys who thought they'd got away from Vandenberg and took that one or two steps too further and, and they were just buried. Um, it, was, it was great for him, great for his confidence. I think it's interesting also look, listening to the post-match interview with him where he said basically he's training once a week um, to try and manage his foot situation. So... But whatever they're doing, is they're doing it right because if he's on the ground, we are a completely different side. <clears throat> yeah. It's amazing. He actually, he did have 19 possessions. So that's, a, that's fantastic from him. That's sort of what you want. And if he's crunching uh, blokes and chasing them down, uh, that's what you want. Um, let's talk our new blokes. Um, Langdon, um, there's a lot to like about his game. He's quick. He provides, you know, the run and carry on the wing that we've been dying for. He runs hard. He finds spaces. He he also had 19 possessions. He had a goal as well. Are you boys happy with uh, that pickup? I'll I'll start. Sorry. I'll I'll start (laughs) then. Yeah, um, very happy with Langdon. Uh, The other thing that... uh, uh, I think it's great for us in terms of Langdon is, as far as I know, he played every, he has been to every single pre-season training session, hasn't missed anything, hasn't been in rehab groups, and he has this ability to just sit out on the wing and be the, be the go-to man, uh, both from a defensive aspect and from an attacking aspect as well. Uh, I, I think he, he is exactly what we needed from last, from last season. We have... Yeah. 
I think we tried 16 players in the wing uh, role last year. He's the man who's got it cemented well and truly as far as I'm concerned. Uh, he's he's a great pickup. Yeah. I mean, the the way he played on the weekend was exactly what was missing last year. And he was it's the missing link, basically, between the forward and the, the back and the forward half. So um, that's exactly what we recruited him for. Um, the coaches would have been very, very happy. Uh, the the other bloke uh, on the other wing, uh, Adam Tomlinson, sixteen disposals and eight marks. Uh, he's a big boy. He provides a marking target up and down the wing. Uh, it's important to note that he didn't start training full time with the boys until a couple of weeks ago. So I expect that he will continue to improve and he'll gel with his teammates as the season wears on. Uh, both of them great acqu- acquisitions by the club. It's great that they went out and hunted a position that we really need uh, filled. Uh, and you know, I'll no doubt rectify that massive hole that we've had uh, in in those positions. Yeah, yeah. Tomlinson went okay given the lim- very limited preparation he's had. So um, yeah, not a bad start from him either. Yeah, eight marks from wingman's uh, great, and you know, they, yeah. it's going to be great when we're kicking out. Uh, you know, to have that other target to have maybe Max on one side or him on another. Um, yeah, what we need. Yeah, and. Uh, and the good thing about Tomlinson, I think he's played 120 games already. Um, so we're fortunate, even though he was in the rehab group up until a couple of weeks ago, he still has that underlying fitness level. Um, so um, he 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 was he is able to be able to slot be slotted in as of um, round one or or in these games already. So that's great from us. But as you just pointed out, having a tall, I think he's 190 plus centimeters, Tomlinson on one wing. Uh, it creates absolute headaches for the opposition, uh, particularly a kick-out. Where, which side do they kick it to? If you like, like Andy just suggested, you've got Gorn sitting down one side, Tomlinson down the other. Where do you go? Um, there's not going to be any easy outs like like teams found against us last year if you've got these guys being both on the field. Uh, next, uh, next new guy, uh, Cozzy, what an excitement machine. Um, I don't think I'm going out of limb saying, uh, that he's going to be a very, very exciting player. He's going to be dangerous around goals. He hunts the ball. He hunts the opposition. Um, his forward pressure is exactly what we've been, you know, screaming for, uh, in a small forward, uh, five tackles from the kid. Uh, he only had six posies, but, uh, kicked a great goal. Uh, there's a lot more to come from him. Um, I will also say, like, that there was this one point, uh, it was right at the beginning of the game, um, he was involved uh, in the back, in, it was in our back pocket, he, he was involved in a, uh, he was chasing and he tackled a guy, then the ball went uh, to our forward line on the opposite corner of the ground, uh, where Cozzy chased several players through a handball chain before forcing the stoppage, and I... I can't remember uh, if he tackled the guy in play or over the line. And it took me a while to realise that he'd been on the opposite side of the ground uh, from the beginning of that passage. Uh, It's great worth ethic from from him. Yeah, I'd be surprised if he doesn't start round one. Um, Uh, You know, limited fitness and the coaches would probably expect even limited impact but I think the impact is going to be enough to warrant a spot in the team. Um, let's face it, no one, no one else can play that role. And, yeah, I reckon half a dozen touches uh, from Cozzy would be enough to, yep, to, to earn him a spot, as I say. 
Yeah. Andy, if you're out on a limb with him, I'm I'm sitting further out on that and the leaves and the twigs in the end with this guy. Um, I've I've had been fortunate to go down to a few training sessions and see him in action. It is just something to really behold. Um, they they run exercises at the training sessions, a bit like the old um, touch football type of thing or the handball from end to end sort of game. He just doesn't get caught. Nobody gets within cooey of him. He just runs around players. Players can't tackle him. Um, he's he, he is something to behold. There was a a marking contest uh, that I saw him in uh, about two weeks ago at training. I don't know where he came from in the marking contest, but he was horizontal across his pack and took it well above you know, guys who are twice his height. Um, he is going to be one hell of an excitement machine. Um, I'd love to see him play round one. I think he will simply because we don't, as Craig Viney said, there's no one else to fill the role at the moment. I don't think he will last because his uh, fitness levels of, you know, he's a, he's a first year player. Uh, first up, it'll be a big call. But I think the impact that he'll have on a game at the right time is going to be quite amazing. He's reminiscent exactly of Surioli's and. Aaron Davies and those sort of players who who can do just miraculous things at at, at will. Um, and the the other the other thing, and they worship on the um, on the uh, 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 side has just re- and he's got a turbo button. You just think for, at times that he's just going through the motions, and all of a sudden he just goes from nowhere, uh, hits players, tackles players. He's really going to be something to behold. I think the fans will get really excited when they see me in action. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the prospect of a full MCG, um, him getting the ball and, and the crowd just getting go, getting a light. And, uh, yep, it's, um, yep, um, that limb <laughs> is there. Uh, that tree's going to break. <laughs> Uh, the the other other new recruit we had, uh, uh, Luke Jackson, uh, he's got a very nice leap. I don't know if you saw that uh, that post that the D's yeah. put up on social media. Um, you know, he, he was up against a very tall ruckman and he was about uh, three feet high, higher than the guy, if not further. Um, you know, he didn't it was really... reminiscent of Jeff, Jeff White yep. a bit, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which someone did comment on the site. Um, but yes, just an incredible picture. Um, you know... Exciting picture. He didn't really get amongst it. He only had a couple of touches. Uh, I like that he was given some time in the midfield as a midfielder. Um, but he, you know, he had to put on a number of hats on the day with his time as a forward. He spent some time in the ruck at that little bit of time he spent in the midfield that's a lot to put on an 18 year old so uh, there's a lot more to come from from him um i wouldn't be too worried i th- i'm not sure if you heard the commentary uh gerard healy was actually quite harsh on his critique of, of jackson and for an 18 year old kid that's a lot of expectations to put on him he's not coming into the team as the the great white hope or anything like that um you know like when we had uh, jack watts come into the team um so I thought that was quite unnecessary from Healy. So did he only finish with two touches? Because I actually no. noticed him quite yeah. a bit more than that. And I, although, yeah, he didn't seem to get a lot of the footy, seemed to at least be around the footy quite a bit, which I thought was promising enough for me anyway. Just hung up on George by accident. <laughs> I'm just getting you back. I'm a little rusty. This is my uh, practice game for the season. Um mm-hmm. 
George, George, if I got you back, sorry, I, I um, yeah. I, I hung up on you by accident. I just said to Grey Viney, "This is my practice match for the year. I'm a little bit rusty. Um, lost my notes early on. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> All right. Um, oh, we can we can still talk about Jackson though. Yes, um, go for again, it. Again, I've seen a bit of him at training. Uh, they've been. He's he's a player that you you really don't know where he's going to finish. Uh, he. Surprisingly, he, he's you know 198 centimetres, so he's big enough to do rucking. He's built and operates and moves like Patrick Cripps through the midfield. He can play midfield. Um, he can play forward. Um, it'll, it, he's, it's, he's just a great asset um, that I think, again, like Cozzy, will be really exciting when, when he does get that opportunity. But he, he still is only 18, and to fill any of these roles like a midfield or a serious forward or a ruck, he needs the body development to be able to do that. It'd be sad to, to throw him in and then get smashed by the bigger bodies um, that operate in all of those roles. But, boy, he's, an, he's, he's again, he's going to be something pretty special when we use him uh, to full advantage. Uh, to answer your question, Grave Viney, he had five possessions, one kick and four um for handballs, he had uh, five hitouts as well. Yep. Um, I was happy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Harmsy uh, has been training all summer with the defenders. George, you can attest to that. You've been down to quite a few sessions. Um, it's obvious they want to turn him into a rebound defender. Uh, it wasn't his best game of footy. Um, I think that experiment is worth persisting with. Uh, some of the best games he's played is when he's been given a tagging job. Uh, many times he's only has not only negated his opponent, but he's managed to find the ball a lot himself. Um, and but obviously the footy department has new plans for him, and I'm all for that out of the box thinking because if it works, those type of things help you get to September and further. So uh, thoughts on Harmsy, um, Grapeviney. Uh, yeah, look, it's you know, um, it's interesting to take him out of the midfield, and I suppose in his place we've seen Petraka. So, uh, you know, Harms gave a lot when he was in the middle, but um, yeah, does Tracker sort of leap forward in the, you know, in the starting midfield lineup? Um, yeah, not sure, not convinced necessarily with the experiment, but. Um, Look, the more players that you've got to run through the middle anyway, the better. So, um, yeah, interesting to see where it goes. George? I'd come out from this uh, a little bit differently. I I don't think we'll see Harms disappear from the middle. I think this is more a case of teaching Harms um, a a defensive role because he has never played in the back line effectively um, in his career to date. What that enables the coaches to be able to do is further rotate through the roles on the field as opposed to just when Harms uh, would come on and off the field, it'd be onto the bench on and back. Now, now if you teach him the defensive roles, um, that gives you another option to rotate, um, yep. which, which is you know, part of the way the game's played these days. Um, while we've moved Petraka into the middle more so from the forward line, he already knew how to play the forward type roles, but it's a bit harder to teach people the defensive type roles, I think. Um, so this just gives us another arrow in the quiver for um, for rotations through the middle, um, but also gives us the opportunity you know, when when people like Salem or 
um, need a break during the game, then you can slide a Harms back in to fill the role. Um, so I, I don't think we'll see him disappear from the middle. He's too he's too good at that at the moment. Um, yeah. But it's just going to be more options for us. Some yep. some honourable mentions from the game. I, I was happy with uh, Viney's game. Um, Twenty five possession, nine uh, bone crunching tackles. Uh, Oliver Oliver was Oliver. I'd still prefer he kicked the ball sometimes. Um, Sparrow impressed me. Seventeen possessions and a goal. There's a lot to like about this kid. That kid uh, Lockhart also impressed me in the back line. He takes a very strong overhead mark for for a smaller guy. Uh, boys, uh, I'll start with uh, maybe Grapeviney. Uh, uh, who are your honourable mentions, uh, including the guys yeah, I've no, mentioned? I'd agree with most of those. And um, yep, Sparrow and look, Lockhart. I thought showed real promise last year, so I'm not surprised that he played a pretty good game on the weekend. And uh, he's he's going to be in the mix um, for for you know. Um, yeah, quite possibly for round one and going forward, I think. Um, so I'd agree with those assessments, though. George? Yeah, I think we're um, uh, our, our cup might be overflowing a little bit in, the, in this sense where one of the um, good things that the club didn't do last year was throw these type of players in when we were absolutely desperate for, for um, uh, Warriors on the field. Um and we didn't um, inhibit their development. And now all of a sudden, people like Lockhart and Sparrow and Chandler, who despite, um, unfortunately was injured, and people like Hoare are, are, all, are all sitting at the fringes available to go um, if and when needed more. So um, we, didn't, we didn't kill them last year when in, in previous years for the footy club. That's exactly what we've done. We throw these young kids in. And, and seeing them not develop to the same extent, I think the club's done a great, great job to be able to get these guys in, and now they can fill a hole or a role um, when needed. So, um, honourable mentions definitely to them. I think we'll see a few more of them in the um, practice match this weekend and the uh, subsequent game against Hawthorne. All right, we've got a caller on the line. Uh, good evening. Uh, welcome to the Demonland podcast. Who am I talking to? Good evening, fellas. It's Bin Man. Oh, Bin Man, how you doing, mate? Yeah, good. Uh, um, looking forward to a, uh, a good season and it's a much better start than the corresponding game um, to this one last year at Casey. It was a horror that game. Smith was injured, May got reported and we just looked off in that game right from the beginning. And uh, yeah, it's a much different vibe this year, isn't it? It certainly is, but that actually wasn't the corresponding game. I think we played Richmond first up, um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, yep. But still, yes, it is. Uh, we were overrun in, in both both of those games. Um, so yeah, were you there on the weekend, Bin Man? No, no, I didn't make it out there. I uh, watched it on KO. I uh, enjoyed it, but I'm going on Friday actually. So I thought a best call. So uh, we win the game on Friday because <laughs> <laughs> I want to start the season the as I mean to go on. I think we, we should all temper our expectations for Friday's game. I believe um, that, uh, this is what I heard, is it's going to be 
pretty much an under-23s team with probably a smattering of more senior blokes, depending on who, who needs the run. Uh, so we're going to go in with a very young and inexperienced team, and I'm not sure whether North are going to be doing the same thing or not. Um, they might be resting a few blokes. I know they've got some playing in the um, in the uh, Bushfire Appeal State of Origin game. So yeah, uh, temper our expectations on that one. But uh, yeah, it'd be good to good to see them get up for a win. But it's a practice match in the end. It gives me an out then, and uh, <laughs> that's good. The, actually, I, I read that that um, under twenty threes, and um, in some ways, that's I thought, oh, that's. But it's actually great because practice games give you a chance to look at those players. I don't get to the VFL games, so to see this Sparrow, I mean, I've seen a little bit of him, but um, James Jordan and those sorts of players that you know you don't really see or hear much about, um, and. Uh, Cozzy and Jackson and even Rivers have jumped ahead of them all already in sort of my consciousness and other fans' consciousness. But there's a bunch of those players. Bedford is another one who I think, are, you know, they're the sorts of players that they're more than depth, but they've, you know, they're, they're taking two or three years to come through. There was also uh, uh, Hunt and Hall also uh, didn't get uh, a call up and last year they were sort of staples in in the team. So I guess that it does show we've got uh, we've got a healthy list uh, when guys who were getting a regular game and playing well. I mean, Hunt was our second leading goal kicker last year. Uh, Hall was very, um, you know, his performances were very commendable last year, um, you know, despite the year that we had. So, you know, with guys like that not being able to just walk into a team, uh, it's it's actually a good thing. Oh, it's terrific. I, uh, the reason I called, actually, was just to agree with Grapevine here around Lockhart. I was, um, I, I was surprised that to read um, that he's been training with the backs and uh, I sort of had him in my, in my mind as a small forward and particularly as we struggle with that position. Um, but I thought he was excellent, and um, he makes good decisions. Uh, he, um, he, but he's a really good kick. He's a neat kick. A couple of times he, he got us out of trouble with his um, kicking, um, and I think that you know having reliable kicks back there is so critical. Um, you really need to, you know, Jetta's good kick, McDonald's a good kick, um, and yeah, I, I couldn't have been more impressed actually, and I. I have him locked in now for round one in that position, which I wouldn't have thought, you know, a few weeks ago. Yep, interesting. Yeah. I agree. Um, anything else, be man? I uh, just the other thing I wanted to sort of, I, I guess, put on the agenda is, I'm I'm really impressed with a lot of the things the club's been doing, really since about you know the mid-season review last year. Um, they've got a lot of things right, I think, in terms of, uh, you know, just the early decisions to get um, the coaching situation sorted out to, um, you know, to bring in Burgess, to bring in the others that they brought in. Uh, and then I think they made really brave calls um, at, at selection in terms of taking Cozzy at 12. And, um, you know, they clearly wanted Jackson, which was evident from that um, the video series. And, you know, I think that they've managed the narrative pretty well given how bad our season was last year and um you know they've got a lot of media for a team that finished 17th we've we've got our fair share of media not all positive but um uh, yeah I, I think they've done a lot of things right and um obviously it's a huge benefit being fit um and having a, a good core but yeah i think uh, credit where credit's due for the club around getting those things right 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, club was in a pretty difficult position when you consider finishing 17th and, uh, well, you know, when you take that into account, yeah, the, uh, the public face of it all looks pretty good and I, I, I suspect that there's substance behind the sizzle too, so let's wait and see. Uh, you, you mentioned, and I'll, I'll bring this up while you're still on the line, uh, you mentioned uh, the Darren Burgess. So, you know, one of the likes I had about this game was that we ran the game out really, really well. Definitely showed signs of improved fitness, um, you know, and if this elite fitness translates into the season proper um, and, and goes deep into the year, that will be our making, obviously, you know, injuries notwithstanding. Um, I think we owe a big thanks to Darren Burgess. Um, in fact, I think a whole lot of Demonlanders were actually looking for Burgess at the family day uh, the other day because everyone wanted his autograph. And um, uh, and we're going to talk about the series a bit later, the, the, the doco series that they've been putting on and, and just seeing the players being put through their paces. It's been exhausting just watching it um, and, and it's translated on the field the other day. What, wasn't it interesting, Andy, that um, in in that one of those docos, I can't remember, maybe the first one where Burgess stood in front of the group and said, today you're going to be doing, I can't remember the numbers, 29 kilometres or something at this session. And last year, nobody did anything like that ever for yeah, the whole for this, season. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was a, a, it's just chalk and cheese what he's, what he's done and what he's put the people through. Um, he probably had a bit more subject matter to work with than last year, but the fact that um, he's he's put so much effort into it and the players have as well is is a real credit to him. Mm, a couple of comments about Burgess. I mean, obviously he's um, obviously he's the real deal in terms of his role, but I think you might have um, put uh, Andy on a comment about um, a reflection from the second Helen back video where he talked about we a lot. Yep. Um, and I, I thought the same thing. It just really, he's sort of, the way he's so, he's bought in, and obviously perhaps that's his style. Um, but just the other thing I'd sort of hate for, you know, hope he's obviously terrific and we've had a good run with, um, I don't think we had more than maybe one or two uh, postseason uh, surgeries, but I'd hate for Misson to sort of, you know, I think there was a lot of ill-informed comment about Mizzen on Demon Land and uh, his ability. And I think, you know, I, I think his legacy, it would be unfair on him to be tarnished by, you know, uh, how good Burgess is and mm. the luck that he's had in terms of not having surgeries. Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. And that, that point you made what, that, that I had mentioned about the we, I, I absolutely love that because he was talking about we, just not in the present sense, present tense as in we now, you know, obviously he's an employee of the club, but he, he was talking about we referring to last year, you know, when he could have easily passed the buck and said they, you know, when when referring to, you know, some of the stuff that happened last year, which which wasn't in all the fault of, um, you know, as you said, to the, the elite performance manager, you know, past performance managers. But uh, I really like that because, uh, you know, he didn't have any, any dog in the fight last year, but he's taking on um, sort of, that you know, responsible not responsibility, but um, you know, talking about it in, in that in that in that tense. So, yeah, I, I really like what I'm hearing from him. So um, let's hope it translates into the season. Mm. The other interest, the other interesting thing about Burgess that I've seen at the training sessions and the way he runs it is that um, he makes it interesting for the players. Um, 
the um, you know anybody can make you know go and do a hundred hundreds, run around the tan. Um, let's let's do some more laps, all that sort of thing. The exercises that he said, and boy, they they absolutely run them until they quite literally drop. Are all football based, you know, in a way. You know, there's these um, handball drills that go back and forth and back and forth, and and then all of a sudden you you go into there's no rests between what he what um, each of the exercises that he puts up for it. It's quite remarkable to um, to watch how it's integrated into actually what players do when they're actually on the on the football field. So um, they might be dead dog tired, but they're not bored at doing oh god another hundred meters or another fifty meters or or another run around the tan. So that that keeps people's interest. And preseason's a pretty long time for these guys. Yeah. And just to add to that, I heard him interviewed, and I forget uh, what it was on, but he was talking about the difference between um, soccer, for instance, and football. And part of his philosophy is that uh, lots of repeat sprints in football, and um, for training, just the way they need to run, they run, they cover a lot of ground, but you know, a lot of it is short burst running, and um, um, you know, I, you'd know better than me, Jordan, in terms of the training scene you've seen a bit. But my understanding is from what I've read uh, on Demon Land is that a fair bit of it's had footy in hand and, um, you know, trying to simulate sort of match conditions a little bit with some of those running patterns and things. Yeah, no, yeah that, that's, that's exactly the case, particularly that sort of handball drill where uh, you know, three players are in the middle trying to tackle you and you've got to get through them. It, it's short, it's quick, you get to the other end and then you turn around and you do it again, so... Yeah, that's exactly the sort of stuff that uh, he's, he's implemented. It's great to see. There was another thing that I noticed when I was at training a couple of times where they would uh, sort of be training in, you know, sort of smaller groups and, and doing, you know, the handballing drills, kicking drills, whatever they're doing, but they'd, they'd send a group of about, you know, five or six uh, or more uh, to the side uh, and have to do grappling and leapfrogging and all these uh, weird weird mm. things, but it was just keeping them moving and sort of exhausting them, only to put them back back out there in, into the handballing and kicking drills uh, when they were absolutely spent, uh, and that's definitely going to have an impact uh, come game day. Mm. Uh, B-Man, if you want to stay on the line, you're more than welcome to. Um, it's up to you. So uh, I'll, we'll keep going. If, if you want to stay on, stay on. Happy to. Thank you. Um, so uh, the other likes I've got is the fact that we've got Gorn, May, Brayshaw and Fritch to come back and, uh, you know, obviously having a, a the full-time Ruckman back in the team is going to have a, an impact as as well as having a May, a fit May uh, in the back line. Uh, be great. Um Concerns um, from the day, you know, it wasn't all roses all day. Um, uh, I think a bit of a worry was a bit, was still our our, our movement inside fifty uh, was uh, still very much the chaos ball, which worked for us in twenty eighteen. Uh, not so much last re- year, but uh, for, uh, reason you know the reasons for twenty nineteen have been well documented. Um, I, I thought we overused the ball, and sometimes we gave off that one handball too many. Uh, but to be fair, it was the first game back under genuine pressure. Um, Great Viney, was, was that a concern for you? Uh, only in part. I thought we were actually quite a bit better at it than we were for the most part last year. So I think there were periods where we did lower our eyes a bit and uh, move the ball quite well um, in the forward 50. But, yep, you're right, there were a few you know, long bombs 
which didn't didn't amount to too much. So again, it's uh, you know got a new forward line working there. Uh, well, new players in terms of Brown being in. So you know it'll take some time to gel or a little bit of time to gel. So I wasn't overly concerned about it. No, when you sort of take that into account. Yeah, we we did bomb it in a few times, and that that was disappointing to me because I thought uh, I thought we would lower the eyes a bit more. But early, I think it improved as the game sort of went on, and sort of T Mac sort of started playing a bit better as well. Um, yeah, and and the other the other thing is um, uh, the forward line wouldn't be necessarily the the best one that you'd put in as of round one. You know, without Wiedemann playing up forward and also Fritsch not there as well those are so when the mids come out and they're looking for someone um and there's no one there because there's actually only t-mac and and you know uh, brown it's just about the options so it, it's a practice match it's a first run let's let's see what the forward line looks like and the options available to the mids when um when we've got a full contingent sitting out there um hopefully creating health for the opposition yeah, you know, Fritch adds a, a, a real other bow, um, and Milksham, of course, one on one is very strong too. Now he didn't have a great game on the weekend, but there's there's really enough diversity in the forward line that we should be a threat of uh, of, of high scoring um, consistently. Mm. Um, when the ball comes out. Um out of our inside 50, our defensive transition is still a bit of a worry for me. We saw this a lot last year and even in 2018, you know, opposition teams and the Crows did this a number of times, were just moving the ball too, way too easily and made us pay. Um, you know, hopefully this can be continued to be worked on throughout the remaining preseason, but it was still concerning that there was happening. Um, but I guess you can't stop everything. You know, teams are going to score. But they didn't get any goals over the back. And I think no. that when we pushed, the commentators made uh, note of it, um, we had our defensive line pushed up pretty high, which is why you had um, Jones kicking from 50, 60 metres on a couple of occasions. He was, was playing, um, Greg Burney was correct before he was playing halfback flank for the whole match, is my understanding. Um, and they were pushing up hard. But... They had their zone worked out pretty well, I reckon. They didn't get those. Go- the real worry for us was when you get those goals that it's end to end tick tacking over the top, and they're running into an open goal. None of that happened, and you know we kept them to a relatively low score. So, particularly in the second half, I thought, um, you know, our defensive structure were, was pretty good actually. Yep. Just I was just playing devil's advocate there because um, maybe perhaps Adelaide aren't such a good team. So we'll see what happens um, when we come up against some decent opposition. Um, I think we also still need to work on sticking tackles. Um, it's been a bit of a bugbear of mine for a while. Not everyone's the culprit as we have some tackling beasts in the team, but opposition seem to sometimes brush off, brush past a lot of our players, you know, and we just put out that one arm and they just <laughs> they run straight through. My, my major concern for the, the team has sort of been the case for the last few years is our kicking skills is we still don't, you know, even Langdon, I, I, your comments before were spot on in terms of he's a fantastic recruit, um, but he's not a great kick. Um, technically, he's not fantastic. 
Um, that kick from Salem to um, Tom McDonald and the kick from um, Melksham to Tom McDonald, just for both the ones that set um, McDonald up for a goal, um, just reinforced to me how important that sort of skilled kicking is and um, sort of lead, lead me to thinking how brilliant it would be to get Benel in that team. Well, that was my next point, the disposal efficiency. Um, you know, it's still a concern. At one point during the first half, someone in the game day thread mentioned that it was at mid-50s percent. I think we ended up with 71% disposal efficiency. So, yeah, it's still a, still an issue. Uh, yeah, very early days. Yes. You've got to you've got to be careful, Andy, that it's not at the MFCSS coming out. You know, it's, at some stage it. during the game, the opposition are going to kick goals easily. <laughs> I don't want. It's just about it's about cutting down the numbers. But um, yeah, we, it's only as Brad Bondy just said, it's only a practice game. Um, you know, they're not playing with the, the the intensity that they would during the season. Um, but uh, we can only wait and see if it's happening in in the in the season proper. Then we'll bring the MSCSS out and, <laughs> and give it a really good run. Well, I, I think we'll end the game uh, talk there because um, we've got other things we want to talk about. Uh, the first thing on the list is uh, the Gorn captaincy. Um, I'll just got a few thoughts on this that I'll I'll rattle off while, and then you guys can and jump in. Um, I, I'm wrapped with this appointment. Um, you know, personally, my family has sponsored Max since he came to the club. We've been with him through two ACLs. Six years in the twos, now two-time best and fairest, three-time All-Australian leadership group and now captain. Uh, personally, I couldn't be prouder. You know, he's a great bloke. Uh, he's instantly recognisable by the wider footballing community. He speaks very well in the media. He's great for he's, from a branding perspective for the club. He's great. Uh, he has a great work ethic. He leads by example. He's just the perfect package for what we want and need uh, in a captain. Um, yep. Great finding. Uh, yeah, I agree with all that. Um, I've got to say, I couldn't help but feel a little bit sorry for Jack Viney. Um, I know he said he's disappointed and he can, he'll cop it on the chin and, and move on, and I, uh, I'm sure that's 100% true, but uh, I would have thought that a part of him would be absolutely devastated. Um, uh, you've got a kid who grew up in the club rooms um, who's more red and blue than any of us, um, you know, probably all of us combined. I mean, he, would, would have, he would have dreamed of captaining the, the club as a kid. He would have dreamed of captaining the club. He achieved it. And to have it taken from you would really hurt. And so would the, um, you know, the implicit rejection of losing the vote to Max. So it's a bit to deal with. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't think he'll have any issues sort of getting over it. But, yeah, I couldn't help but feel a little bit. Sorry for, for for Jack in the midst of all that. George? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, I, I do feel for Jack as well. Um, I, we don't know the process that went on behind the doors. Um, I hope it wasn't votes alone that, that um, caused Max to get the, um, yep. uh, the captaincy because um, I remember talking to someone many years ago who said, if you're a young player who came into a club like Melbourne today, let's say like Luke Jackson or a Cosy, um, who are you going to vote for? Or someone that you know or someone who's a good leader? You don't know who the good leader is, so they vote for someone they know. So I hope it wasn't on votes alone. I hope the coaching group had had a more substantial input into it as well. But just as equally, I'm 
uh, I'm comforted by the, the comments that Gorn made when um, you said that Viney was elected camp captain a couple of years ago where Viney said to him, you and me have to get take this club forward. And now Gorn's gone, Max has gone to, to back to Jack and said exactly the same thing to him, that both of them have got to, are the ones who have got to take this club forward. So um, I certainly hope that that's the case. And Jack, Jack isn't uh, too disappointed particularly in a year when he is due for contract renewals. <laughs> Big man, yeah. any, anything to add to that? I echo the um, all of the sentiments I too sort of felt for Jack. I was really surprised. I thought they, they wouldn't demote him because of the impact on him. I think it's actually real positive that they did because it shows some courage that particularly, you know, in the last couple of years there's been a few things where there's been some you know, alleged or rumoured disagreements between the playing group and the coaching group. Um, so I think that they handled it pretty well. I like the fact that they went for a leadership group of only two because, for me, it um, maybe mitigates against the um, impact a little bit on him because he's one of only two leaders, not one of, you know, like Brisbane have got nine or something yeah. ridiculous. Brisbane have nine, Carlton's got seven. Yeah, so, um, and I do think... He's not a sort of – he doesn't strike me as a natural people person, certainly not like Max is. And I wonder whether it'll be better for his footy where where he's – you know, his on-field leadership is where he is a great leader. Um, and I thought he, he played great on the weekend, and which would have been – you know, he had to, to step up after knowing he would have – was it announced then? It wasn't announced, was it? But he would have known at that point. I'm sure he I think it was. I think it had been rumoured or, you know, the yeah, leak had yeah, been yeah. come out that but, it was about to happen. And they might have done that deliberately just so to soften the blow for him yep. to give everyone time to digest it. But I actually think that, you know, it might be good for him. He takes away the distraction of the off-field stuff. Max will take that sort of stuff in his stride. Um, Max gets around big groups of players, I think, where he can just go out there and... and do what he's been sort of implicitly criticised for, which is being a bit myopic, um, and take that energy and just put it into his footy. So heaven forbid some of the um, opposition players will get tackled this year if, if that's his sole focus. Yeah, look, look I think for a captain, you've you got to be the whole package and it's not just that on-field leadership, but it's that off-field as well. You've got to, you're the face of the club. Um, and I, I never thought that, that Jack sort of presented well in the media um, and that's you know not everyone's an orator so um, but Max is he, he he's very good in front of the media and I think you, you need to have that sort of a well-rounded um, uh, you have to have all, all those hats on and I, I think Gorn sort of ticks all those boxes for me um, so I'm quite yeah. happy with it um, I was never a fan of the co-captain model I don't can't even put my finger on why that is. Um, but perhaps I've just been accustomed to to having a single captain, um, and I'm actually surprised uh, that they decided um, to do that. I, I thought sort of the coaching group of Goody in particular liked that co-captain uh, thing. I think it was him that uh, that started it. Um, well, started it with the uh, uh, you know in, in this. Um, in this era, I mean, we've had the co-captains before, but uh, he put Viney in with uh, Jones. So, yeah, uh, I was surprised they went that way. Um, in terms of the, um, you know, not having any other 
people in the leadership group, as Bim Man mentioned, is that a surprise? I know that if you're a leader, you're a leader no matter what. You know, no title's going to change that. You know, we've got Lever down back, Tom Tom McDonald up forward. You know, Nev is there. Um, you know, if you're a leader, you're a leader. But uh, did it surprise you that we went without having named leaders, uh, named leadership group? Uh, Great Viney, I'll start with you. Um, I don't know whether I was surprised. Uh, I, I, yeah, I don't get too worked up about the captaincy model. Um, I know it's some people um, have very, very strong views on it. Um, you know, on, on the different sides. But yeah, for me, it's neither here nor there. As you say, um, Lever Nev, they're not going to play any different. Um, and in the same way, Jack's not going to play any different going from captain down to vice. So yeah, not not fast. All right, um, moving on the uh, the to Helen back documentary series. Um, when this series was first announced, I, I really didn't know what to think. I, I saw the title to Helen back, and I'm sure I'm not the only one uh, to have prejudged it and thought, uh, you know, to Helen back. Like, uh, when have we come back? You know, when we're, we're not back, um, I'm still in hell. Um, I had a brief stint out of hell for a few weeks in a row back in 2018, but if I'm back anywhere, I'm back in hell. Um, you know, and I think a more rap title might have been, you know, the road back from hell, um, as that seems to be the narrative that they're going with. But obviously, that isn't as hashtagable uh, to hell and back. Sort of <laughs> is a nice, has a nice ring to it. Um, but but many in the media, sort of before they even saw it, uh, had also judged it. Um, in particular, Kane Corns. Um, you know, that we haven't come back from anywhere. But obviously, you know, with the narrative they're going with, that's, you know, really doesn't have anything to do with us being back. It's about coming back and what we're doing to, to come back. Um, I also imagine that we'd get a lot of slow-mo training videos, you know, set to the rocking music uh, and a montage of shots running on the beach interspersed with shots in the gym. Um, I certainly wasn't expecting to, to you know, be, get emotional watching Jonesy pouring his heart out, you know. So I think they've done a fantastic job in the three episodes that we've seen so far. It's very well produced and I, I love the narrative that they're telling. Um, uh, George? Um, yeah, it's, it's been a fantastic uh, series. It was interesting prior to the um, uh, annual general meeting the other week, I had an opportunity to talk to Gary Pert for five minutes. Um, and he was asked about that exactly um, the Helen Back series, and he said it would never, never happen at Collingwood under any circumstances. Um, they'd never get that sort of access to the football department during the season or the pre-season. But as a series, it's been fantastic. Um, uh, the Age today is reporting that Eddie and Co are trying to set up a, a similar sort of um, uh, program with Amazon. Um, and using half a dozen clubs to get that sort of access, um, um, whether whether that happens or not, we're yet to find out. But the good thing is we've already done it. And I, I've been so impressed with um, what it actually shows us, the fans, what pre-season training is like. You can go down and see it, but not everybody can. And then you see that session that they were doing at Port Melbourne and down on the beach you really, really start to understand what these guys are going through. The um, the sessions with Jonesy, the 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 um, pre-draft meeting um, with the group down at uh, Goodwin's uh, Holiday House at Rye. The insights have just been fantastic, without actually giving anything away. 
Um, but uh, it just puts everything in such a great light from the club's perspective, especially for a team that finished 17th. So um, we as fans need that sort of a um, sort of reassurance to, that something is happening. And I think we've, we've seen it in this series. It's been great. It's, it's interesting George mentioned Eddie um, and Amazon. Um, Amazon had done a whole series of docos um, in Europe with, um, well, uh, uh, soccer clubs, so Premier League and, and uh, some of the other European giants. I think Juventus have, have done one, Leeds United. Um, Sunderland did one in a year where they actually got relegated. Um, so, you know, these things can bounce back on you. Um, and as you say, Andy, the, it was a very, um, very well produced. Uh, I'd imagine it's obviously been outsourced. Um, because the uh, yeah the production is a one it's 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 a top shelf production the content is compelling for the most part um, and it's I think it's probably the first time where I've ever really engaged with um, I guess promotional material you'd call it from the club um, I usually steer a million miles from things like that but. I noticed that the third episode, or the most recent episode, which came out, was 17 minutes long, and it went it went by in a flash. Yep. Um, uh, and that's uh, that's that's good television when that happens. Uh, no, I'm, um, I mean, I've been very critical of the club's communication and fan um, supporter engagement in the last few years, and um, yeah. Couldn't be more impressed and echo all of those, agree with all of those comments. Um, I think fan engagement is just a critical thing for any club, but particularly one trying to, that's publicly said they want to get to 75,000 members and we're currently at 50. Um, on Demonland, I've posted about a few times about sort of the need to connect with, um, um, say, 16, 17, 18-year-olds, 15-year-olds. Um, my son's in that range and he's... a um, an avid basketballer, uh, and he he has not shown a skerrick of interest in football for the last three four years. It's all been basketball this and basketball that. Um, and I came home from work today, and he was watching um, the Helen Beck um, number three because of the training, because he's into his training, and he was um, he was seriously impressed and engaged with it. Um, and that's exactly what you need. You know, people need content. Young people need content. The way they sort of access and um, consume media now it's all content driven like YouTube is is television now for um, for kids my son's age um, so I think yeah I think they've done it really cleverly and the title was I, I put on Demon Land is that you know I think it was they obviously worked it out and thought well what's going to get the most you know what's going to get some whacker like Kane Corns making a comment before he's <laughs> seen it so you know we don't we've we have got so much press from that and then of course because it was good um then people were watching it and uh, everything's been positive about it since and i think that the episodes have just got better and better yeah they, they certainly have um uh, i was going to just uh look up on youtube to see what the uh the the numbers were um but uh, really the content's been great uh the, 
the, all the training stuff's fantastic. The emotional stuff with, with Jonesy sort of contemplating his future and whether he goes on at all. Um, you know, uh, watching the, the Vandenberg story, uh, you know, he's played seven games in three years and, and you know, everyone's sort of rooting for him. Um, that awkward meeting with Harley Bennell. <laughs> When he was meeting uh, the, the the top brass, um, you know, them them calling him up and and him accepting, uh, you know, them accepting him. Uh, the discussing of the draft pick was fantastic, and uh, I think uh, George, you mentioned that they didn't give anything away, but I, I think they might have. Um, if you remember when we interviewed um, uh, when we interviewed uh, Jason Taylor, he wouldn't sort of give away uh, sort of who they were looking at, and uh, I think this. Uh, in, they inadvertently gave away uh, who who they so were the looking at screen. and in what order the computer screen. But I don't think they realised that. Um, and if you go onto Demonland, there's a thread sort of detailing that. Um, so that's good good reading. Uh, and and just that grueling preseason pre Christmas uh, training session uh, and ending with like the the boys getting cosy over the line uh, in doing those backwards crab walks or whatever um, was just fantastic. Just a couple of the – you mentioned um, uh, Vandenberg, the bit about Vandenberg. I was amazed at the – you know, I've got no idea of elite-level rehabilitation, but some of the stuff that he was doing, like the rubber mm. band thing on his toe, yep. and, you know, the work that he must have done for the last two years in rehab, like that's the sort of thing behind the scenes um, thing that you. Re- it's really interesting because, I mean, it's psychologically his sort of effort to – um, to put up with that for two years and still do it is is incredible, you know. And um, you know, it's great to see that that sort of aspect. Because all we see as supporters is that we see last year in pre-season he's not training, he's not training. Where's Vandenberg? When's he back? Then we see him on the injury list, his name on there, and it's indefinite or whatever. But we don't know what's actually going on. We don't know that he's got a these big elastic bands and he's putting them through between his toes. And you know, we don't see that the the, the massage therapy, you know, getting right into his foot and. We don't see any of that. So to to have that sort of documented uh, now and seeing, you know, the, um, you know, and getting back onto the field and playing is just fantastic. And let's hope you can get a full season out of him. He's like a new recruit. He comes back and plays 15, 16 games. He's like better than a new recruit because he's a ready-made AFL footballer who makes us a better football team. And, you know, fury, you know that's what you want from a, from a player in, don't, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I just that was all the notes that I had. But uh, uh, George, you 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 sent through some notes. Uh, the the three year strategic plan. Um, I don't have it in front of me. I'm going to pull it up now. Um, it was it was mainly uh, well. This is obviously what was presented to the AGM and in in the various media media groups about the plan from 2020 to 2023 to um, play finals, both for the uh, men's side and the women's side, and to win one premiership for at least in that period for both um, both of those sides. Um, I was just interested to hear other people's comments about that and the projections. Um, uh, when I first um, heard it at the AGM, you know, you've got to be sceptical about these things. But then I do recall, I think it was five years ago, um, Richmond came out with their plan for 75,000 members and a 
um, three premierships in the next 10 years or something like that. I can't remember the exact um, uh, items of it. And guess what Richmond have done? Um, and you're sort of looking at, yeah, if, you, if you're really going to be serious about competing in this competition uh, and competing for premierships, then you better set it as a target for yourself. So um, um, I think initially, uh, Pert and, and Glenn Bartlett said at the meeting, you can expect a lot of flack about this, um, given that Melbourne's you know, coming from position number 17 on the ladder. Um, but I think people have, have realised, and particularly our own supporters and those on Demon Land, that, um, yeah, this is perhaps exactly what we've been missing the last couple of years. We've got to be serious about winning premierships in this competition, not just being part of it. So happy to hear other people's uh, position as well. <clears throat> Look, it's it's a ballsy thing to do, um, but I agree with you. You got to you got to put it out there because if you if you don't if you don't have a goal to work towards, then um, you know you're going nowhere. So look, I'm happy that they've put it out there, but I'm also I want to see us. You know, what are you going to do to get us there? Um, that's what I want to see. Proof is in the pudding. Um, I've wanted though all those ambitions have been my ambitions from the day I started mm. supporting them. But but I don't have the ability to uh, to do anything about it. So yeah, let's hope uh, hope they can do it. Um, and look, that the, the seventy five thousand members uh, that'll come if you have uh, success. I think. Um, You'll see this year we we'll we'll lose we'll lose a lot of the members that we gained after the 2018 year, um, and that's just that's just a fact. Uh, if you don't perform on the field, you're not going to get get the people through the doors. I applaud the club. Good good on them, and um, you know there's um, um, you know it can only be a positive thing that I think that they're putting it out there. Good for the club. Good for Goodwin. Um, I think we've got a strong list. I think it's, you know, we should be expecting to win a flag in the next three, four years. That 100% should be a real thing. And why why shy away from it? Why not say that that's what we want to get? Um, you know, I think that the other good part of it was, again, was sort of controlling that media narrative. So we've had sort of a block of three, four weeks where there's been a huge amount of, you know, stuff about Melbourne in the media. So, and that, 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 so it was timed well. Um, and um, and I don't think you know outrageous claim like it wasn't nearly as ambitious as Richmond's um, strategic plan, which was five years, I think. Great, Barney. Anything to add with that? Uh, nope, nope. I agree with what's been said, and uh, yeah, I don't pay too much attention to the strategic plans, but um, yeah, you need them in place, I guess. So. Uh, <laughs> I think the, I, I think Andy the other the other good thing about uh, what they've done um, and I've heard heaps of and been involved in all sorts of corporate um, um, strategic plans and and um, objectives and things like that and there are a, lo- a lot of them are a lot of waffle quite frankly um, but the the thing that strikes me about this one and and, and uh, Bin Man hit it on the on the head when he said it's ballsy. Gary Pert and and Bartlett and the board have put them and the coach as well has put everybody's balls on the line and said we're going to do this. If they don't, that's it for them. So it, it's it's really um, um, in, encouraging and refreshing to hear from people who are prepared to put their own roles on the line to achieve this target. So I think that's 
been a, a big change from what we've seen in the past where people are happy just to go along and if we win something well that's great well these guys are really putting everything out there right from the start so that's that's encouraging as well it sends a, a great message to the rest of the staff the players and the supporters ultimately so we'll wait and see yeah we will um the last uh topic i guess we'll talk about is is harley Bennell. Um, you know, we've we've signed him up in, from from the last time we were on on the air. Um, an article this week came out. You know, the club's not expecting him to play until till mid year, and I think that's all sort of we can expect uh, for that. Um, he had that little setback um, early on, um, and uh, George, you've been down to training and and. What we've, what we've read from um, Baghdad Bob and his training reports, it seems that he's just doing sort of, you know, some light jogging, bit of a mm. walk, walking, and um, it might be a little bit of a while until we actually see him playing, but certainly an exciting prospect uh, if he can get fit. Yeah, he's, he's an interesting one, and, and I think we spoke about this last November when uh, when we got together. It, it's um, it, it was almost like a a no no risk situation for the club. We weren't desperate for players. We had a whole series of players who who were coming back. He, he was someone who was obviously very talented, um, uh, but had never been able to get on the track for whatever reason um, in in the preceding couple of years. Um, we had nothing to lose. Um, if it if it didn't work, um, then we could draft someone else. Um, and certainly that opportunity was available to us right up to March. Um, the, 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 inter- the interesting thing with Bernal is, um, again, uh, having seen the Helen Back series, when you go down to training, you don't see all that much. You know, he's doing a few jogs up and down, up and down. Um, he kicks a few goals around the corner and it looks impressive on, on Instagram and Twitter and things like that. It'd be interesting to know what's actually going on in the background. Uh, when you, when having seen um, someone like Vandenberg, who only makes it out on the track once a week, but in fact for the other six days of the week is spending an awful lot of time in the background um, doing an awful lot of work. So I hope the case that's the case with Harley as well. I would expect it would be, given that the club has now stuck their neck out for him. Um, the um, other interesting thing was I, I'm not a medical person, but I read that the operation that Harley uh, had um, to alleviate his calf problems has been done on a number of athletes um, and someone, uh, I don't remember the names or the individual uh, who was working at AIS said they had a a Diamond League athlete who after the operation was back running after nine weeks. Well, if Harley had these operations late last year, we sort of only just at the nine-week stage. so the uh, expectation, our expectations of where he should be at are probably too high. If he's just starting running now, then definitely we won't see him um, until mid-year because he's got to go through a pre-season uh, effectively the same as everybody else of about two or three months. And effectively also he hasn't played for two years, so he's coming off a really, really low base. But if, if this one works, it's going to be fantastic for us. So we can only wait and see. We can get a little bit excited about it if it works. Yeah, I can only imagine the raw uh, on the G uh, if he gets up and, and, and takes the field. Uh, it'll be fantastic. All right, boys, I think we're going to end it, uh, end it here. Um, B-Man, thank you for, for joining us tonight. I really appreciate your contributions. Um, 
uh, Grape Viney, thank you, and uh, George, thank you, uh, thank you as well. Um, we will be back. Um, we'll be back next week, maybe. Um, I, if I get down to the the, the game, and George, you're you're going as well. And yeah, Bim Man, you can there. you can join us too and, and talk about it. Uh, if there's uh, anything interesting to talk about, we will we'll come back next week. Otherwise, we definitely will be back after the next March March series game uh, in Tasmania. So uh, thank you for listening, and uh, yeah, we'll see you in a, see you in a couple of weeks. Go demons! Go those days. Oh.